Welcome into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks again for joining us on a Thursday edition of the show. A lot to get to like normal. BYU and Utah square off in basketball and BYU sees a a winnable game slip away in overtime. We'll break that down. You'll hear from Mark Pope as well as Jake Toulson from that. Also talk some BYU football. Kalani Sitake spoke to the media yesterday after the Cougars' first bowl prep practice. We'll let you hear a little bit from him on that. And of course, we'll catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports news. Today's show brought to you by our title sponsor, Deseret First Credit Union, as well as DoorDash. We'll tell you about both of those companies as this show rolls on. With that rundown out of the way, let's get to it. This is Locked On Cougars for December 5th, 2019. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for joining us on a Thursday edition of the show on your daily podcast, all focused on the BYU Cougars, the Locked On Cougars podcast. A lot to get to on today's show. Let's start off on the hardwoods. BYU falls 102-95 to in a high-scoring, high-emotion game as they face off against the University of Utah last night up there at the John M. Huntsman Center, and I have to say, guys, this is a game BYU should have won. I'll get that out of the way right off the top. When you carry two 16-point leads at different points of this game, I don't know how you end up losing by seven in overtime. Okay, well, I guess I do because we saw it happen last night. But BYU had every right and every opportunity to win this game, slam the door shut on the Utes, and they just couldn't do it. And I will give credit to Utah. Uh, This is a young team. They are the second youngest among the nation's 353 Division I basketball teams. A team made up of sophomores and freshmen went out and beat one of the most experienced college basketball teams in the country. I think Mike Sorensen from the Desert, Mike Sorensen from the Deseret News uh, rated it uh, the 21st most experienced team in the nation. So you have to give credit to the Young Bucks from Utah for this game because they played their game. They refused to give in despite facing numerous double-digit uh, uh, deficits in this game and they came back and won it in overtime. BYU ran out, ran out of ran out of weapons down the stretch. TJ Haas fouls out and I have to say I know that the officiating is going to be a big conversation piece with regards to this game, and there were bad calls both ways. But I have to say, T.J. Haas fouling out on that call, the the charge call that was called against him, I didn't like that one, honestly. I felt like Ryland Jones, who was a star in this game, by the way, if you have not seen the freshman out of Olympus High School playing for Utah, I called him the baby-faced assassin on uh, Twitter last night. He was impressive. But uh, he was still moving as uh, T.J. Haas made contact contact and they called a charge on him. I thought it should have been a blocking call and should have been free throws for TJ Haas, but alas, he fouls out. Yoli Childs uh, left this game with what was termed to either be cramps. I thought it was an ankle injury that might have ultimately did done him, did, done, did, I don't, whatever, might have done him in in this game. He did not return for the final 10 minutes in overtime for the Cougars, and without him and TJ Haas on the court, BYU really ran out of options. Dalton Nixon also fouled out in this game and BYU simply just ran out of gas. Jake Toulson was very impressive in the second half of this game, especially considering Yoli Childs put up his 29 points and looked like he was going to go for a career high and then all of a sudden just stopped dead in his tracks uh, with the injury concerns.
concerns, the cramping, which, by the way, the cramping for Yoli Childs, this is not a new thing for him. He's dealt with cramps throughout his BYU career. I understand it's his first game. He might have gone out a little too quickly and gotten cramps, but the BYU training staff needs to figure this out. Yoli Childs cannot have cramping issues and have it be a recurring issue throughout his career. I understand this is his first game this season. That's a little more understandable, but this cannot continue to be a recurring theme for BYU's best player because if they had had Yoli Childs on the court in the final stretch of this game, their opportunity to win this game might have gone up dramatically in my mind. Now, let's talk about some of the stats real quick before we get to some of the post-game comments from Mark Pope as well as Jake Toulson after this loss. Uh, one thing I wanted to note for you guys is two things where this game tipped for me, I just absolutely stood out, is points in the paint and also fast break points, which goes hand in hand with turnovers. So BYU on the night, 20 turnovers to Utah's 11. Not good. You always want to be plus. You want to be ahead in the turnover margin. Speaking of having lower uh, turnovers than the opponent, you have nine more. Well, that's not great. Utah points off those turnovers, 24 to 13. And with that as well, fast break points, 31 to 7 in favor of the Utes. You're not going to win a game most of the time when you give up that many fast break points. And BYU, the margin was closer than you would have expected. Now, the one thing that Utah did that I think that most teams BYU has faced are going to try to do, have tried to do, or will try to do going forward is attack BYU on the interior. Last night, BYU's interior defense was atrocious, and Utah, as a result, scored 62 of their points in the paint impressive, impressive showing in the paint for Utah, and BYU needs to be better in that regard. I understand that they're still very thin on the front line, even with Yoli Childs returning, and without him on the court, obviously that hurt. Kobe Lee was left as one of your guys out there, Zach Selyus. You were really uh, dragging towards the end of that game, but you cannot give up 62 point paints and expect to win games. BYU went out like gangbusters, really took an early lead and were up, and it looked like they were going to just run to a victory. But alas, I will give credit to Utah. They battled. They hung with BYU. They made their runs when BYU went through their scoring lulls, which are just something that you can't have if you're the Cougars. That's another issue for this team. They go through these stretches where they just seem to get out of sync offensively and just can't hit shots or even get to the bucket. And sometimes BYU even overshares the ball, over-dribbling, over-sharing, and it causes issues. So this game tipped, I feel like, on point uh, paint points as well as fast break points. BYU had 38 points in the paint as and like I said 31 to 7 in favor of the fast break points. A lot of the metrics went towards Utah in this game. Obviously playing at home when you're attacking in, on the interior, free throws are always going to be in your advantage. Speaking of Utah, they had 31 to BYU 17 in terms of free throw attempts. And when you attack on the interior in college basketball, you're going to get rewarded for going out and attacking the basket. College coaches, this game, 46 total fouls between the two teams in 45 minutes of game action. I struggle with college basketball for that reason alone. Just the whistles all the time. It feels like nonstop. If you're averaging a whistle for every minute or even less than a minute, so 46 uh, fouls in 45 minutes, that's way too many. You can regulate this game a little bit better. Guys will regulate the game themselves. Speaking of the players, just let them determine it. Well, Mark Pope, less than enthused about the officiating after the game. Uh, there, Of course, there were some high-strung moments in the postgame as uh, Mark Pope barely grazed the hand of Larry Kraskoviak and got into it. It looked like an animated conversation 
conversation with Chris Jones, of course, the father of Rylan Jones. He's the director of operations for Utah basketball. And then Jake Toulson also saying something to Larry Kriskoviak and the Utah bench late in this game. Pretty high-strung game, but here you go. Let's let you hear from Mark Pope in the aftermath of this game and pay attention to what his thoughts were about the officiating staff. Well, we had a tough time in transition in the second half. Uh, we had a tough time guarding the free throw line in the second half. Uh, uh, switching turned out to be really problematic for us. We couldn't guard the duck. Uh, it, was a, it was a whole plethora of problems. You had to be encouraged, though, by that first half, the way they really and everybody worked together. That's how I expect we play. I mean, that's how we play. So um, I'm, I'm just super disappointed in the second half. What set up the I don't really have much to say about that. I just when we go through the, the lines, coaches should have enough restraint not to get into the players. How much did it hurt you have to lose? Not just the only two injury, but also the three fouls. Uh, well, it was hard. I mean, like I said, we, 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 we couldn't guard the free throw line tonight. We just couldn't do it. So uh, that, that made the game really complicated for us. What are the lessons that you take out of this for your team? Because you got to have a big one on Saturday, too. Well, we got to get way better. Uh, we know that. Our deal is we're going to get better every single day, and that's what we focus on. And and um, and so, that's you know, this game constantly asks you. It asks you to respond. That's what it does. It asks you to respond. It says, how are you going to respond? Every single day, it says, how are you going to respond? And so, you know, we have to we have to find a way to respond to this in a really positive way and grow from it and learn from it and get better. Utah Shovel free throws in this game. What do you think of the officiating? I thought the officials were amazing. That's probably the best crew that's ever set foot on the planet. And I'll tell you this, a really brave and courageous crew. I mean, that crew, I would take them every single game. They're amazing. Anything else? Looking ahead to Saturday, uh, your thoughts playing a home game at Uh We're just excited to play. Um, we We've been out of our building a lot recently, but it's a huge game. Uh, this Vegas team is a good team, and they're getting better, and, and uh, they have some talented players, and so it's going to be a great challenge. It'll be fun to get back to playing. How does that type of stage help out the team? Uh, well, I think every different venue that we play in is, is a good opportunity for us to grow and, and get used to it, right? So uh, hopefully, you know, as we go through, we get the postseason play, hopefully we'll get a chance to play in venues like this, and, and, uh, and so it's always good to get, you know, get into a different place and feel it. Were there positives you could take when considering you were down ELE and Siege and Um Well, listen, I mean, I don't know. I'm just probably a little bit too emotional right now, but I think, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, we just couldn't, we just, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch the film and take what's the positives from that. Jake, Jake had a really good game tonight. Is part of the message of the team just that he needs some help? Uh, well, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that. I don't know that the team is confused about that. Um, I, I think our guys know that. Uh, you know, I got to do a better job managing the weird lineups down the stretch. Like that's on me. Uh, I need to help Jake more than more than anybody else does. So, um, you know, we, we, we got to figure that out. Uh, we, we we have been stuck in some places with just weird lineups on the floor in, in crucial moments, just because of the circumstances of the game. And and I have to. Uh, you know, I got to still a little bit more confidence in those guys and keep them together and, and uh, you know, keep them functioning. There you go, Mark Pope. And, well, that's one way to get around a fine and a reprimand from your call your conference. Well, I don't know if he does to get away with it, but he, 
if your sarcasm meter wasn't registering off the charts, you, apparently yours is broken. You need to reevaluate. But Mark Pope, frustrated with that loss, like he said Monday, we played the comments from him yesterday. And actually, on Mondays, it was a Tuesday's edition of the podcast. I don't remember which day it was, but he talked about the fact that he's all in all the time. And there were some high strung moments in the post game. I don't know what the conversation was, what the argument was, what sparked his 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 argument uh, that had to separate him from Chris Jones, etc. But he says he's an all-in guy and frustrated with that loss. And you obviously could tell that with his post-game comments. So BYU will try to regroup here. They face UNLV on Saturday up here in Salt Lake City once again at the Vivint Smart Home Arena, the home of the Utah Jazz, where I record most of these podcasts from. So that should be an interesting contest as the Running Rebels come to town, a former Mountain West and WAC foe of the Cougars. We'll get you ready for that game tomorrow. But a tough loss all the way around for BYU as they fall 102-95 to their rivals. The Cougars now 6-4 and on the season, looking to rebound against the UNLV running rebels all right we'll switch gears talk some BYU football here in just a second let you hear from Kalani Satake some of his comments after practice yesterday uh, pretty long session with Kalani Satake yesterday a lot of the coaches are out recruiting so BYU is running with a skeleton crew in terms of their first practice back we'll let you hear about that here in just a moment before we do that though a reminder for you guys to treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash right now our listeners can get five dollars off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. You're listening to this on the go right now. If you can't visit DoorDash currently, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, guys, I was down at BYU football practice yesterday. BYU practice for the first time. They'll have 15 total practices that they're able to utilize ahead of the Hawaii Bowl on December 24th. Kalani Satake said that his team will practice three times this week before they find out their bowl opponent on Sunday when all the bowl assignments are set. I think barring any major uh, change with the New Year's Six, with Boise State or Hawaii upsetting Boise State in the Mountain West Conference Championship, I think it's going to be the Rainbow Warriors versus the BYU Cougars. I would be surprised if that's not the matchup that we see on December 24th, but obviously we'll have that covered for you once that news comes out. Uh, Interesting comments from Coach Satake here. You'll hear in just a second. Uh, Talking about the quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, a lot of people frustrated with his... um, well, inability to get the offense in the end zone. I, I, let's get that out of the way right now. But a lot of people wondering why a guy like Baylor Romney or Jaron Hall was not given a shot in that San Diego State game. Obviously, Jaron Hall was not dressed for the game. We we heard that he was on the sideline in street clothes. And there were some reports out there, particularly from Gregor Bell, saying that he was available to play. But Kalani Satake yesterday disputed that and kind of gave some insight on what happened with the quarterbacks and why you didn't see Baylor Romney in that game against San Diego State. So here you go, Kalani Satake's post-practice comments after BYU practiced for the first time yesterday. What did you learn looking back? Yeah, we, we uh, have a lot of room to, to improve on and, and uh, to utilize all the practice time that we can to make sure that we're a lot cleaner, a lot better, and have more um, production as a team. So all three phases, special teams, offense and defense, there's a lot of room to, to improve and, and get better. What do you hope to accomplish in these 15 practices? Um... Probably that. I think a mixture of um, making sure to clean things up. I mean, we, we had uh, we had some mistakes, and, and that that's part of the game. I think you have to credit San Diego State for some of the mistakes that we made as well. But for the most part, um, I think just, just making sure that we're uh, functioning much better and more efficient as a team. 
and uh, all the coaches on how to handle their position groups and uh, that, that's going to be one of the emphasis and we have to be physical during camp as well because the only way to get better is to have some physicality to it and then um, you know looking in and the development of our players are some players that uh, that I think can really take huge strides in the next uh, couple weeks to get themselves ready to springboard in for 2020. And so I think the, the the mindset is to play hard for the seniors. This is our last time we have to play together, but also thinking about the future and thinking about what we can do to build on it by playing, prepping for this bowl game and then playing with our opponent. And, having that uh, springboard us into 2020. How did you feel about the response to, uh, from, from the loss in the, the first practice here today? Yeah, the guys always, I mean, I, I've been really pleased with how hard our guys work. They, they work hard and they, uh, they give us all the effort that we ask for and um, that's never been an issue, right? So it's just uh, uh, really, I have to do a better job, make sure our guys are consistent as a team and, and, uh, and uh, make sure that we get more production and that we give our better, ourselves a better chance to have success and that means win. Gunner said that he felt like the offense, Victor and Red Zone, wasn't on the same page. And he was a little, maybe a little surprised after you know, the game 12 that they had some of those breakdowns. Did you see that? And, and what has to happen for that not that? Yeah, it, so it's like a combination of a bunch of things, right? So you can't just make it all about one part of it. And, and um, the things that we can control is what you focus on. And when you're, when you're dealing with a lot of different lineups and you're dealing with... Um, with uh, mistakes that you make, you know, there's, we still have some mistakes like false starts and holding calls and things like that that get you in a bad spot. That 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 really creates a bunch of issues for you. And, and it's not like um, you can blame everything on the offense. I, I think defense, uh, special teams, defensively, if we can keep guys pinned deep a little bit, create more better uh, better field position for our offense. And uh, if we had a better punting game in that game, that didn't go as well. So there's a lot of different. Um, uh, parts to it that, that they all have their share in the pie and, and my job is to situate which ones and specify which ones we can actually work on get better and that and then try to make the thing a complete game for us and that's uh, but I look at that no matter what the result is to try to improve on and that's been kind of a battle when you're having you know, the type of things that we've had to face this year. How you manage the uh, the quarterback reps at all? Will you give any opportunities to guys like Baylor or Jaron with first team or is it just all going to be Zach? No, a competition is always going to be there. And so, um, you know, we're going into the game. We thought that Jaron would have been able to hopefully clear, but he didn't. And then Baylor was uh, overcoming some really uh, terrible sickness. And I think a lot of people are going through around this time. And so uh, that was the issue. But during the week of practice, our guys will always compete. Our guys will always get, have to work on earning their spot. And that's going, that's going to be the case in the next few practices, next few weeks before we hit the game. And has Jaron been cleared? officially yet um he wasn't last week but he's cleared to practice so he practiced today baylor did as well and i'm uh, sorry rhett riley and and uh jaron and and um and, uh, and uh, zach practice baylor did not can you talk about how you evaluate your coaches now we're through the regular season you got the bowl game of course coming up mm-hmm. but as you about how do you how do you kind of evaluate the assistant coaches and the staff and <clears throat> and you know look at how what direction to go with those guys I look at the improvement of their other guys, right, in, in the time that they've been with them. And that means, like, in their their life, their um, academics, and, and how they you know, how they basically develop as a player. And so, and with the time that they spend with them, I think you should see a significant difference. So that's probably the best way to, to be able to measure how well they're doing as a position coach and as a coordinator. Last couple of questions. You don't often get a practice before even knowing who you're playing. Yeah. What's the what's the value? Well, we're gonna have three of them. You know, we're gonna practice this week, and 
I think for us, it's just work on ourselves and, and work on our base tough. Because um, right now, it's kind of a waste of time just to, to project. Uh, other than for for the players, I mean, for the coaches, we kind of hope you know that we're putting in work and installing something that will face a certain kind of offense. But it could go so many different ways. Now that the regular season's over, what do you Last feel is question. the identity of this of this team heading into the bowl? Well, I mean, I, I think we got to be built on on being physical and tough first. I mean, that's what the one thing that we got to we've got to grind through things and have grit, and that's going to be the key for us. And, uh, and that's in a lot of different places. And whether you're a senior or an incoming freshman, the opportunity to get better through some adversity is the most important part for us. And that's uh, we're looking at an opportunity now. We last year, look at last year, we we lost the game going into the bowl game, and use that as a huge. Um, catalyst to get our team rolling and, and from what I saw today in meetings and in practice I, I think this is going to be a really good bowl prep for our team it's going to be a good huge step for our program there you go Kalani Sitake and you heard him say Jaron Hall was not cleared for the game itself speaking of San Diego State and Baylor Romney was still ill dealing with an illness that was still affecting him yesterday Baylor Romney was in a jersey but did not participate in the practice yesterday so interesting to hear that because I know a lot of people were frustrated with uh, the inability of the BYU's uh, inability of BYU's offense to get into the end zone. They did put up four over 400 yards, but you just can't manage just three points out of those 400 yards. It just it, it doesn't add up. So there you go. Some insight on the quarterback situation. Here's hoping the guys like Baylor Romney get back to full health. Jaron Hall, as you heard him say, he's been cleared to practice, but apparently was not cleared for the game against San Diego State. So that lends some insight as to why it was Zach Wilson all the time against San Diego State. Kalani Sitake also saying that they're practicing more in general right now, working on themselves as they await to find out their bowl opponent. They said there's no point uh, to press and try and prepare for an opponent that you may not uh, actually face. So they're working on just kind of team reps. And that's that's what this time of the bowl uh, prep season is for. Use younger guys, get them some opportunities to get some extra reps because you do have 15 practices. You don't need to use all 15 of them to game plan, etc. You can use some of it to develop younger t- younger talent, younger depth. You can work with those guys a little more in depth than you have earlier on in the season. And I think that's a positive for the Cougars as they get ready for this bowl game coming up on Christmas Eve. So there you go. Some of the comments from Kalani Satake. He wants his team to continue to be tough, uh, be tough-minded, and go out there and play extremely well. And I think BYU fans, I think anybody listening to this podcast can respect that. And we'll, of course, have that covered for you. I think the next availability will be next week. We'll have coverage for you. We'll have some interviews that we'll play as well, doing one-on-ones like I have previously throughout this regular season. We'll have more of those for you coming up right here on Locked On Cougars. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news, All-American honors being handed out for BYU sports programs, as well as a big-time commitment for the BYU football program. We'll talk about all that here in just a second. Before we do that, though, a reminder, for you guys that the title sponsor of Locked On Cougars is our good friends over at Deseret First Credit Union. Deseret First Credit Union is asking all of its members right now, what is your why? What is your passion in life? What are you trying to do? Whatever it might be, have you thought about refinancing your home loan to save some of that money and help fund your passion project? Regardless if you're trying to travel more to BYU away games for football, etc., you want to build an addition onto your house, whatever it might be, 
Refinancing your home loan can help save some money and potentially put hundreds of dollars back in your pocket, guys. You heard me right. Hundreds of dollars potentially going right back into your pocket. Check it out. Refinancing doesn't have to be hard or even cost you anything. And with rates still low, now is a great time to refinance your mortgage and keep that money in your pocket. The Deseret First Cor- Deseret First Credit Union Mortgage Team will work with you to find the right loan for your financial situation. Whether it's your first home, your fifth home, or just an investment property, they are ready to help you out. Call them, 801-456-7070. That's 801-456-7070. Or visit dfcu.com to apply in five minutes or less. We love having Deseret First Credit Union on board with Locked On Cougars, and we love the fact that they're trying to help out all of our listeners. Once again, help yourself out and also help Deseret First Credit Union out by giving them a call, 801-456-7070, or go to dfcu.com. Deseret First Credit Union, you know why, we show how. Membership and eligibility required, OAC, terms and conditions apply, equal housing lender. All right, guys, catching up on everything else going on in BYU sports news before we go on today's podcast. Let's start off with women's cross-country program, the men's cross-country program, I guess both of them. Six members of the cross-country programs were named All-Americans following the men winning the national title and the women's team finishing as the national runner-up. On the women's side of things, Courtney Wayment, Erica Burke Jarvis, and Whitney Orton received All-American honors for their top 40 finishes. On the men's side of things, All-Americans included Connor Mance, Danny Carney, and Jacob Hesling each of them finishing inside the top 40. So congratulations to all six of those athletes on a season and well-deserved honors all the way across the board. It's awesome to see men's and women's cross country being rewarded for their impressive showings nationally in Terre Haute, Indiana earlier on this month. Uh, Well, actually last month now. It's December. It's November. There you go. Uh, A couple other things for you here on the football front of things is BYU added the commitment of Ace Kafusi out of Kahuku High School in Hawaii. And you if you know me, you know my mantra is the more Kafusis, the better on the BYU football program. He is a cousin of the current Kafusi brothers on the BYU football team. Uh, well, you have Devin Kafusi, cousins of Isaiah and uh, Jackson Kafusi. Well, Ace Kafusi is also a cousin of theirs. Could be a linebacker at the next level, could bulk up. We'll see how it all shakes out with in terms of his development as a player. He's currently just 6'3", 190 pounds, but a lot of athleticism from this young man playing for the Red Raiders out on the rock in Hawaii. And I think this is going to be a great pickup for the Cougars because Kafusis, they're just athletes. That bloodline, those genes, that gene pool... Man, does it produce some great athletes. So congratulations to Ace Kafusi on adding his commitment to the BYU football team for this upcoming recruiting class. We'll see if we can get in touch with him and talk with him a little bit more about his decision to commit to being a BYU Cougar, but congratulations to him. And one final note for him, from you for from me, excuse me, from not from you, from me today is that Jay Drew broke the news yesterday that Baylor Romney will be on scholarship for BYU coming up in January. Some people wondered if uh, Romney would decide to transfer, etc. He is married to a BYU pole vaulter in the men's and women's uh, track and field programs. He was not going anywhere, but this is well-deserved for him. He's been a walk-on, obviously helping BYU upset uh, Boise State. I figured he was going to be on scholarship before too long. 
When you go 54 of 85 for 747 yards and seven touchdowns as the third string quarterback for BYU, I think you deserve a scholarship. And Jay Drew uh, tweeting out yesterday that Baylor Romney told him that he will be on scholarship starting up this January. And that's well-deserved if you ask me. I think Baylor Romney has proven he's more than capable as a Division I quarterback, more than capable of winning games at this level. And I'm excited to hear that he's going to be on scholarship and he'll be remaining with the BYU football program. I thought he was one of the most least likely guys to consider transferring because of his wife's situation on the track and field program but still it's awesome to see him being rewarded he's had to work etc to really be able to put the time into football and this scholarship will be a big blessing in his family's life and his him and his wife's life in particular as he can kind of step back a little bit not have to work as hard outside of football he can focus more on his craft and that's an awesome thing if you're a BYU football fan all right that'll do it for us today thanks again for joining us please follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Locked On Cougars. Drop me a note on my Twitter feed if you so desire at Jacob C. Hatch, or you can email the show lockedonbyu at gmail.com. The show is available everywhere podcasts are to be found. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help get the word out about the show. We'll be back tomorrow getting you ready for BYU and UNLV in basketball, and of course, covering everything else going on in BYU sports news. Talk a little BYU recruiting because the BYU coaching staff, in terms of football, are spread out around the country visiting recruits as we get ready for National Signing Day or the early National Signing Day coming up here in a couple of weeks. We'll have that all covered for you on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday. This has been Locked On Cougars for December 5th, 2019.